things I say and do I'm always what I need I'm neither saint or sinner I'm somewhere in between Hi and welcome to You Are Never The Only One, hosted by me, Kat Sims. Now, you may think you're special, that your worries, fuck-ups and fun times are unique only to you, that only you can get so many things wrong so much of the time. Well, I'm here to prove to you every Monday morning that, in the nicest possible way, you're not special or unique. You don't fuck up any more than the rest of us and that even though it doesn't always feel like it, you are in fact never the only one. Hi, welcome to the very first episode. I'm not going to lie, feels a little bit weird hosting a podcast all on my lonio. Um, so I'm just going to imagine that there's a bunch of you out there naked, no, not really, not naked, um, drinking coffee, maybe taking a walk, perhaps listening with a stealth airport while you're in a boring meeting. Uh, Because honestly, if I take any time at all to question whether anyone's listening, then this podcast will never see the light of day. So in my head, there you all are listening intently. Great. Um, Now, you may be here because you follow me on Instagram or maybe because you're my dad. Hi, dad. And I'm glad that you figured out how to use a podcast. It only took us 45 minutes on the phone to get you there. But um, it could just be that maybe you've listened to every other podcast on the internet and I'm all you've got left. I'm not fussy. I'll take it. Whatever the reason, I am going to be here every Monday so that we can swap stories and share our shit shows. It's it's like therapy meets a 12-step group, meets a coffee morning, meets a drunken chat with the stranger in the toilet that you've never met before and will never see again. But right now... I want to get on with what I'm pretty sure is going to become my favourite part of the show, which is actually your part. So it might be the first episode, but in a fit of productivity and an unusual commitment to forward planning, I actually managed to get some contributions from you guys. Basically, throughout this first season, I want you to send me your this only ever happens to me moments or any agony aunt style questions you may have. Basically, anything that's outrageous, funny, sad, shocking, um, interesting, stories, opinions, whatever, it's all welcome. Um, And if you have any of those and you've got anything to say, then email me immediately at your never the only one at gmail.com. That's Y-O-U-R-E because it's you are never the only one but it's called You're Never the Only One. It's a grammar thing and I'm a grammar pedant and I hate myself for it, but there we are. So it's You're Never the Only One, Y-O-U-R-E. Don't turn off yet, stick with me. I promise you it gets better. In the meantime, let's get on with this, shall we? As I said, we're going through your emails and I want to kick off with the funniest story I've been emailed this far and it's from Jane. Nothing else, she's not given me any information other than the fact that she's called Jane. Might not even be her real name. She sent me an email called Four Court Fuck Up and I figured that sharing this would make us all feel a little bit better about the crazy situations that we find ourselves in. So, Jane writes... On a daily basis, I ask myself to take more notice of my surroundings. After putting petrol in my car and doing the usual swearing at how much it cost me, mm -hmm, I think we can all relate to that, I've paid for the liquid gold and I've jumped back into my car. I put my bag on the passenger seat and I wonder, hmm, why is there a newspaper here? 
While I'm staring at the newspaper I don't recognise, I proceed to start my car and question briefly why my key won't go into the ignition. At this point, I happen to look in the rearview mirror and there, staring right at me, petrified, is a very old lady who, as our eyes meet in the mirror, begins to attempt what I can only describe as an old lady scream. Uh, I don't know what an old lady scream sounds like, but it's also a perfect description for the noise that I imagine she tried to make. I'm going to see if I can have a go at it. Let's see. No, that didn't sound like a scream. That sounded like something else. Sorry about that. It was only then that I realised I was in the wrong car. Really, Jane? That Really, it was at that point. Uh, the, the newspaper didn't perhaps flag it up. The key not going into your ignition, that didn't do it for you. It, it was the screaming old lady in the back. <laughs> I grabbed my bag and shot out to see my car over at pump number seven. Well, listen, we've all been guilty of forgetting which pump we're at, no matter how many times you try and remember it. It all happened so quickly, but I was aware of a very concerned looking bloke coming out the petrol station towards me at speed. <laughs> Needless to say, I drove off while shouting, sorry, through my window. The poor old lady still looked scared. Poor bugger must have thought she was being kidnapped. And it was a while before I stopped looking in my mirror, convinced the police would come screeching after me. <laughs> I might add, the car... <laughs> Sorry, I might add, the car I got into looked nothing like mine. This was black and mine is red. <laughs> oh, why, Janie, why? Why, indeed. Listen, Janie, it is funny that you write this because I can categorically say you are never the only one on this. I literally did this the other day. I didn't actually get in the car, but I walked up to what I thought was my car to be fair, it was a hire car, so I didn't know it that well, so I feel like maybe I can be forgiven a bit. But um, I was expecting there to be my two children in the back, and they weren't there. And the transition from do-do-do-do-do, it's just me getting back into my car, to holy fuckballs, my kids have been kidnapped, Jimmy's going to kill me, what the fuck am I going to do, was astonishingly fast. Like, in the space between me thinking it was my car and realising it wasn't, I fast-forwarded through a future that involved me ending up in the Daily Mail with a headline like, Instawanker loses kids when she leaves them alone in the car, full of comments saying, serves their right, to Instamum imprisoned and divorced, cancelled and penniless, dies alone in bedsit, hugging her circle light, with hashtag I'm sorry scratched into the wall. Listen, it was a lot to take in in the space of six seconds. So, Jane, I see you, I feel you, and you are not the only one. Before we move on, I do just want to give a shout out to Dara. I'm really sorry if I've just butchered the pronunciation of your name. Who got herself into a real pickle with her ex-boyfriend's co-worker, who she accidentally followed and then accidentally liked a photo of, and then later received a fairly lengthy warning text from her ex saying that he knows she's trying to get his attention and why on earth would she do that? Dara, listen, I feel the mortification, but on the plus side, at least you've managed to embarrass yourself out of heartbreak. So that's a plus. And also a nod of recognition to Adele, um, who's in Leeds, which is my hometown, whoop, whoop, uh, who was late getting her little boy to school on his very first day and had to walk into the classroom uh, while all the other little children were in circle time staring at him. She wrote, I will beat myself up forever over this, but it doesn't seem to have affected my little one. Two things. You won't, actually. Sorry, Adele. You're probably going to fuck up in way more spectacular ways than that. Um, and secondly, listen, you got that late out of the way. 
It's done now. The first late's always the hardest. Wait until the first time you send your kid to school in uniform when everyone else is wearing their own clothes because you forgot Mufti Day. Also, am I the only one that still sniggers at Mufti Day? It's just me. I just don't know. I don't know why we call it that. Anyway, or wait until you forget to pick them up because you fucked up the days and you thought they were in after school club, but they weren't. And the phone rings and a very passag school receptionist says... Uh, hello, Mrs. Sims. Just wondering when you're thinking of picking up your children. Yeah, that's that's a thing. Uh, anyway, listen, thank you to everybody who emailed in this week. There is one more email that I've got that I, it's more of an agony aunt style question. And I'm going to chat about that a bit later in the episode. Remember, you can and should always email me at you're never the only one. Y-O-U-R-E. Uh, at gmail.com with any of your stories that you think might just make the rest of us feel a little bit better about ourselves. Um, But for now, it's actually time for me to save the world. spoke to me in such a way that I felt it deep in my waters. Um, I should probably explain that when I was working out the format of this podcast, it started off as quite a lofty, highbrow concept. Um, I'm not sure who I thought I was, but each episode was going to kick off with a reading that I thought would be from some interesting book or article. Inevitably, as I tried to write that podcast, it was shit and I had absolutely nothing of interest to say. Uh, So the fact that this reading has turned into me sharing a meme just about sums up the cerebral level that this podcast is going to be sitting at. So I hope that's okay with you all. Anyway, this meme, which is actually a tweet, I think, by Andrew Fleischman. F-L-E-I-S-C-H-M-A-N. I don't know how I've said that. Fleshman? That sounds weird. Anyway, um, I've linked his Twitter account in the show notes, so you can you can find him there. He said this. Why do our children live in constant fear of dehydration? I spent my entire childhood without carrying an ounce of water on my person, but my kids are treated like beached orcas. Let just take a minute to take that in. Now, it made me lol so hard, obviously because it's true. And I don't want to be like our parents when they say things like, well, we were slapped with a bat spiked with rusty nails and it didn't do us any harm because that's annoying. But you know, if we really assess the trauma levels of our parents and their generation in general, we can safely say that actually there was quite a lot of harm done. But in this case, Andrew Fleischmann, Fleischmann, Fleischmann is absolutely spot on. Never once in the history of my childhood, teens and even my 20s, did I feel the need to constantly have water on my person. Nor, by the way, did my parents see this as a real threat to my health. They were pretty strict on things like seatbelts, learning to cross a road carefully, not getting into cars with strangers, but making sure I always had water on me to keep instant death by organ failure due to dehydration at bay. It just wasn't a thing. Like when I was thirsty as a kid, I went to the cupboard, got out a glass, filled it with water from the tap and gulped it down. Often really quickly, especially if I'd come inside from playing because I'd be scared that if my mum caught me, she wouldn't let me out again. Am I the only one? That was a thing, wasn't it? I mean, the audacity that our children have with this expectation that at any given moment, I should be able to produce water for them. Oh, we're on the bus. Water, please. I'm in the car park. Water, please. I'm on a roller coaster. I'm thirsty. Where's my water, mummy? Like, it. what? Wait until you get home. Get it out the tap like the rest of us. 
Let's also, do you know what? This is where I'm going to save the world. And let's not forget the impact that this obsession with instant access to water has had on our planet. Um, And while we're at it, let's throw in our sense of entitlement when it comes to our expectation that we should be able to drink coffee, tea, matcha latte while we're on the move. When did this become an inalienable human right? Because all of these things have contributed in a massive way to the destruction of our planet. The answer to reducing plastic when it comes to this stuff isn't saying, oh, everyone should have a reusable coffee cup or water bottle. No, the answer is you don't need to have a coffee on the go and you can probably wait until you get home or to the office to drink a glass of water from the tap. Why are we trying to invent the reusable receptacle wheel? We've had glasses and mugs for a long time and they worked perfectly until we all decided that we should be drinking on the go. And I don't know why I'm the only one that can see this, but reusable water bottles and coffee cups are are they not made from plastic? A type of plastic that seems much sturdier and therefore would, I imagine, require many more millennia to disintegrate than perhaps a normal flimsy water bottle that we buy at the shop. I imagine most of you are parents, I'm a parent. And one thing I do know to be true is never in the history of parenting have we ever bought our kids a reusable water bottle that they have used for life. I don't know about you, but I've probably bought as many reusable water bottles for my kids as I ever would have bought water bottles from the shop do you know what I mean water in a bottle from the shop they're either broken they're lost or let's not just lay the blame at the feet of all our small people but also at the manufacturers themselves because I have searched long and hard to find one water bottle that either holds enough water that the kids like because it's a sucky rather than a poury I don't know if that makes a difference if that's just my kids or that doesn't leak So honestly, I think that if we want to reduce plastic, we don't need to do the reusable water bottle thing. We just need to get a little bit of fucking perspective and recognise that we are not going to die if we can't drink a bit of water on the bus, probably. Am I wrong? I don't think I am. Uh, But if you think I am, then feel free to drop me an email at you're never the only one at gmail.com. Y-O-U. R-E. Um, you can also drop me an email to tell me that I am, of course, a genius and I've just solved the problem of plastic and saved the planet. Okay, so we are now at the point in the podcast which I have affectionately named Fuck Up Some Fun Times, where I basically share with you all the things I fucked up this week as a mother, wife, human. If applicable, I'll also share any wins or moments of glory. And I'm just looking through that list and I'm not actually sure there are many of those this week. But hey, it's always important to try and find some silver linings. So it's a bit like bad news, good news. Where do we start? Uh, Let's kick off. Let's kick off with the bad news and try and finish on a high. Uh, So this week I was late getting to the kids to school on two mornings. I mean, two out of five isn't bad. But going back to Adele in Leeds, see, this happens and it will happen more than you ever thought possible. I sent one kid to school in the wrong uniform on only one day, which is actually pretty good. I'm actually going to take that as a win. Keeping track of kids' PE days and uniform, it's just too much. So I'm taking that as a win. Oh yeah, I spent about five hours scouring the house for Billy's trainers the whole time, huffing and puffing, going, I don't know how you can, I don't know how you do this. How on earth do you lose, does it just vanish into thin air? Do you just decide at one point, oh, I don't know, I'll just throw them away. Where on earth can your trainers be? Oh, you don't look after anything. All of that, I did it all. Five hours, probably, only to remember at the last minute that um, she'd left them at her summer dance school weeks ago in the summer holidays, and I'd said that I'd go and get them, and I never had, I'd forgotten. So that was an apology and a half that I had to give to Billy. Also, uh, quick roundup, my garden furniture cushions remain outside despite the torrential rain we're having, and 
despite telling myself 500 times a day that I'm going to bring them in, I'm doing that thing that I think we all do with the laundry where, that we hang out and leave in the rain. I'm just waiting for them to dry before I bring them in. But if the forecast is anything to go by, that's not going to happen anytime soon. So I'm just ignoring it. I'm head in the sand on that one because it's too big of a problem. There are too many cushions. It's too big. I don't know where to put them to dry them out. So now I'm just ignoring it. I've wasted five cups of coffee that I made and forgot to drink and I'm not 100% sure that I don't have nits. And in the shit loss weekly tally, I'm hitting a four this week. The first shit loss was was the first morning back at school, which I'm sure we can all appreciate because despite having six weeks to plan that shit, I hadn't organised their school bags and both kids had apparently forgotten how to get dressed or brush their teeth. Plus, I think we all overslept, so that didn't help. The second shit loss was at the kids for continuing to slide slash surf down Noodle's ramp. She's got a little ramp because she's a dashwund and they're not allowed to go upstairs. That's a fun fact. Anyway, I've explained, as all good mothers do, that it will end in tears. I've repeated myself probably 12 to 15 times. But the final nail in my patience balloon came when Bo stood at the top and I, sl- and I said, don't do it. And she looked me in the eyes defiantly dare it was like she was daring me and I rose to that challenge and I said listen under no circumstances are you to surf down that ramp and there was a moment where like the overly optimistic part of me thought she would listen but then she grinned and launched herself off shouting I can do what I like and I'm ashamed to admit but I'm going to admit it anyway that there was a small dark evil nasty part of me that hoped she'd fall and break her arm so that I could say, well, that'll learn you. Obviously she didn't, and obviously I was very relieved that she didn't hurt herself, but I did lose my shit. Um, And I can't really remember the details of shit loss numbers three and four, but one was definitely at Jimmy, and I'm almost certain he fully deserved it. But if you're listening and you disagree, Jimmy, then you should probably get your own podcast, set the story straight that way. Love you. And I can't remember the fourth one. Now, onto the good news. Now, these are the things I didn't actually fuck up. These are the moments of glory that I am holding on to desperately when I try to tell myself that I'm not the worst person in the world. So, let's start. First of all, I didn't have to rewash any laundry this week. The laundry gods were on my side. Everything is clean and there isn't a hint of milking. Unfortunately, the flip side of this is that it's inspired sort of unwarranted optimism in me regarding laundry because apparently I appear to have impulse ordered 10 cans of ironing spray. Apparently, it's just stuff that makes it smell nice when you iron it. Do you know what I mean? You probably don't know what I mean because you probably don't iron because that's the sensible thing to do. And honestly, I don't know why I ordered it because I don't iron either. You know what? Maybe ironing spray is what I've been missing this whole time. Maybe actually, you know, it wasn't my motivation that was the problem. Maybe it was just I didn't have the right tools. So now that I've got the right tools, maybe I'm going to become one of those people that irons. A bit like one of those people that flosses every day. I literally strive to be that person. What else? Oh, do you know what? I actually meal planned this week and I managed to make four out of the seven meals that I planned. I'm not going to lie, the sausages did go out of date, as did the spinach and the random aubergine that I ordered. And in fact, the strawberries got furry as well. But four out of seven meals is actually really good. So I'm taking that. That's a win. Let's end on that. Anyway, listen, remember, I do really want to hear from you. I want to hear your fuck ups and fun times as well. So if you have any, then please drop me an email at, I'm not going to do it again. You're never the only one at gmail.com. But remember, it is Y-O-U-R-E.
So I promised earlier that I would go back to an email I was sent that was more of an agony aunt style letter and it resonated so much with me that I thought I would read it out and give my response but also let you guys respond to and we can share some of those in the next episode. Okay so this is from Lorna and she writes I have a dilemma regarding my parents. I'm 32 and my parents are 65. I had a good relationship with them up until I was in my 20s when I suddenly realized they weren't perfect little interjection here that sentence right there is a whole podcast by itself that is such a defining moment when your parents become real life people and it's so tricky to navigate because you love them and you want to hold on to the old version of them but they have definitely fallen off that pedestal and there's no ladder high enough to get them back on there um it's it's really hard anyway we'll carry on so She says, it's a lot of little stuff that's built up. Like the night before my wedding, they were at a bar with my auntie and uncle instead of spending time with me. We got married in Ibiza. Again, sorry, I will get on with it. But Lorna, just to be clear, I am 100% on your side in everything. But I think that taking your family to Ibiza and not expecting them to end up in a bar with their mates is a bit like taking yourself to the gynecologist and being surprised when he asks you to drop your kecks. That being said, I do understand it was an emotional time and you would have liked them to be there I will shut up and now I shall continue reading the story. On the day of my wedding, they didn't turn up to the breakfast or lunch. The wedding started at 6pm. They weren't there to make a fuss, share stories about when I was little, nothing. This was in 2017. Since then, I've just done a lot of reflecting about my childhood. We always went to pubs. Most things involved drinking, not me, obviously. You say, obviously. I mean, I remember being given a shandy when I was six years old, but that, by the by, probably explains a lot. Anyway, um, and I can't really ever remember a time when we did something that was about me and my two brothers. They'd post my birthday card through the letterbox even though they knew I was in. Just little things like that. My dad is the worst. I've always told my mum from the age of 11 to divorce him. He's not a bad man. He's just lazy, doesn't make an effort and stresses too much. He's funny too, but what can I do with that? My question or worry is this. They're getting older. Am I being utterly ridiculous and should I just try even harder to let things lie and make more of an effort with them? As a mum of three, I'm forever telling my kids I love them. My parents never did that. I'm always making sure I'm never like them. I make loads of effort for birthdays and Christmas, etc. And I'm just making sure I'm the complete opposite of them. I see my parents weekly. They have my youngest son on a Wednesday. But if I hadn't asked them, I don't believe they would have asked. They're not very maternal or paternal grandparents. They're not the worst, but they could do more. Sorry for the long rant. I'm a very positive person. I know this doesn't sound like it and I just want to be happy. I do feel like I'm missing out on having parents sometimes, but maybe this is normal. Maybe at 32, I shouldn't expect so much. I'd hate to be selfish. Thank you for reading this. Best wishes, Lorna from Leeds. Okay, here's my take on it. I am very guilty of this and I feel like you're a little bit guilty of this too in that... I really struggle sometimes to accept people as they are rather than as I want them to be. And I think with your parents, we have to afford our parents the same grace that we hope our kids afford us because we know we're fucking up. Like, we know we are. We know we're getting things wrong. We know that they're going to turn around to us and go, I can't believe you used to do this. That's all going to happen. And I would hope that they can get to a point when they're in their 30s or you know when we have fallen off that pedestal for them and be able to say listen they're not perfect in any way shape or form 
but I love them and I can forgive them for those flaws and actually I just want to make the most out of this time. Now obviously there's loads of things that you're holding on to that you feel rightly resentful for you know them being fairly absent from your wedding must have been heartbreaking it is your time you want to be the center of attention you want for that one day or that one few day you know those few days while you're getting married for your parents to be focused on you and to make it about you and that is not unreasonable so I fully understand that there's a resentment there and here you've got two options here Either you hold on to that resentment, you keep it to yourself, or you send it to people like me, you talk about it with your mates or your husband about how upset it makes you, and you keep breathing life into it without actually sorting it out. Or you say to them, do you know what, I just want to have a quick chat with you, and it's not anything, I don't want to, it's not a fight, I just feel like I just want to say this because I'm holding on to it, and it's it's making me sad and annoyed and resentful, and I don't want to feel that way about you. So I just want to say that this... You know, the wedding thing, that really, it kind of hurt me. And I'm sure you didn't mean to do it. um, But I just wanted to be open and honest with you. Now, I don't know. That may cause an argument. It may not. Only you know your parents. And you have to decide whether it's worth it. If If you feel like it's not worth having that conversation, then it's, then you have to decide to let go of it. Or let it make you grumpy forever. And at the end of the day as my annoying husband who is so wise and so good will say would you rather be right or happy and it's so true the amount of things that I can get myself wound up about that I can hold grudges about and that I see as huge injustices or betrayals or unkindnesses actually I have to decide whether I want to be right or happy. Do I want to make them feel how I feel? Do I want to make them understand? Or do I just want to take control of my own happiness and my own well-being and let it go? Because actually 99% of things aren't that important. In the grand scheme of things, they're not. And, and we have been given an over... I do believe we've been given an overinflated sense of importance. Um, and I think it comes from social media and I think it comes from the instant access to stuff and I think it comes from having audiences to say what we want to say to, whether that's a few hundred people or whether that's a few hundred thousand people. I think it has given us this overinflated sense of importance where we can all be really guilty of being self-centred and uh, letting our ego rule and believing that we are right and I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that you are wrong all I'm saying is it's your perspective in a whole myriad of stories that are woven together to create this family situation that you're in some of them are their stories some of them will be stories of other people yours is just one story and you know maybe having that conversation will help you unpick why they did that you may you may be surprised and they may go do you know what I'm really sorry I didn't I didn't realize and I appreciate you sharing that and I want you to know that wasn't our intention and we're devastated that you were sad at your wedding you know whatever you think you need out of it make sure that that's the thing that you do rather than the thing that you expect from them don't go into any conversation expecting something from them you know go into it knowing that just saying it is going to make you feel better regardless of whether they accept it agree with it whatever you have to know that 
if you go into that with an expectation of them saying all the things that you want them to say and they don't say those things then that resentment's worse because again as my very wise and annoyingly perfect husband says an expectation is a resentment waiting to happen and he is so annoyingly right um so my just to sum up that really convoluted rant not rant um monologue is to say that only you are responsible for your happiness and you have to decide whether you're going to hold on to these resentments and let them infect the next few years however long you've got left with your parents or whether you're going to decide to let those resentments go accept your parents for who they are with all their flaws not give them that much power over your own happiness and well-being take back control of that and you know what be really grateful that they have your kid every Wednesday my parents don't have my children ever not because they wouldn't necessarily want to but because they physically can't you know they're sick and they're quite old so and and I wouldn't worry too much about the fact they haven't asked honestly I wouldn't worry too much about that you know there could also be a we don't want to step on their toes you know we desperately want to spend time with our grandkids but also we know they've got their own lives and they're doing all of this so there could be a million reasons the fact is you get some childcare every Wednesday and they do it and that's something to be really grateful for um, and maybe that's where you start maybe you go do you know what I'm just going to start with an act of gratitude and I'm going to start by giving them a little gift or writing them a letter just to say thank you so much for having my son on a Wednesday because I love that you're getting to spend time with him it really helps me and um, you know I think it's a lovely thing that he's growing up with this relationship that he's building with you and even just doing that might just trigger something in you that gives them a little bit of grace um on the flip side if they are really toxic people um then you know if you do parents can be toxic and you might have to put boundaries in so only you can decide but my my advice would be if you can fix it and you can find a way to make it work then do that Anyway, I don't know if any of that made sense. If you fundamentally disagree with everything I've said, then please feel free to email in and correct me and actually give Lorna some really decent advice. We are, of course, now getting to the end of our very first podcast episode. Um, I really hope that you have enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. If you're still here I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. Um, I'm so looking forward to the upcoming episodes. Remember, please keep in touch. This podcast relies on you as much as it does on me. And I cannot thank enough the people that have already written in and made this podcast episode what it was today. So thank you for listening. I hope you have a fucking fantastic week. And please remember, you're never the only one. See you on the flip side. Bye. You're Never the Only One is written and presented by me, Kat Sims, author of The First Time You Smiled or Was It Just Wind and creator of Not So Smug Now, an online platform for those of us who are waking up every day and just trying to do the best they can. Follow me and get all your podcast info by heading to at Not So Smug Now on Instagram and TikTok and notsosmugnow.com. You'll also be able to read things I write, including articles and my book, which, by the way, is probably the best baby shower gift you can get at the moment. And soon you'll be able to pick up merch there as well. 
You're Never the Only One is produced and edited by Lucy Lucraft and executive producers are Bonnie Barry and Parami Kodakara. Our original music is written and performed by Hot Salad. Yeah, I really fancy the bass player. Please check them out wherever you stream your music and on Instagram at Your Mum Likes Hot Salad. The things I say and do and always what I mean I'm neither saint or sinner I'm somewhere in between This world is complicated Everything moves so quick And lying to yourself me oh.